Welcome into Locked On Blackhawks. Today is Friday, August 14th, 2020. I am your host, Jack Bushman, tuning in for the 191st episode of Locked On Blackhawks. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc., and you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day, so please be sure to go do that. Also, please go follow our Twitter page, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, with some really good stuff being posted there every day. By the way, today's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar, and welcome back, Bilt Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Make sure to go to BiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON in all caps, and you'll get $10 off your first Bilt Bar order. All right, to start off the show today, last night, the Blackhawks dropped Game 2 of their best-of-seven first-round series to the number one seed, Vegas Golden Knights, 4-3 to three in overtime, a tough loss, but it was a hard-fought battle from the Hawks, a much better effort than they gave in Game 1, but nonetheless, here we are exactly where we did not want to be after the first two games, and that's down 2 to nothing to one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. Game 2 started much like Game 1 did, only this time it all occurred in the first period, not the second, as Vegas was once again able to jump out to a 2 nothing lead. The first goal came on a bit of a miscommunication from behind the Blackhawks net between Connor Murphy and his new defensive partner Lucas Carlson, who interestingly slotted into the lineup for rookie Adam Boquist for Game 2. And I don't think it was because of an injury or anything. This was a performance-based decision from Jeremy Colleton, and it kind of backfired for the Hawks. I thought Murphy and DeHaan were solid together in Game 1, and for the most part in the postseason, based on what they're working with more times than not. And then the pairings get mixed up, Carlson's skating with Murphy, and early on in Game 2, Jonathan Marcheseau, Finds Paul Stasny open in front because those guys are out of position. And bang, just like that, it's one nothing Vegas. And then on the second goal, a tough play in transition. Duncan Keith jumps up at the blue line to make a hit on William Carrier. And he was able to move the, qu- the puck quickly down low to Tomas Nosek. And all of a sudden, Vegas has a 2-on-1 from the top of the circles in. And Nosek beats Crawford under the right armpit for a goal. One that... Crow cannot afford to let in. Uh, I talked on last episode how Keith and Crawford, I thought were going to have to be two of the best players for the Hawks in order to win game two. And while they were both pretty good for the rest of the contest after this little mishap or whatever you want to call it, they weren't sharp in this instance. And it really cost the Hawks for a big goal in the fourth or in the first period as the fourth line converts for the second goal of the game for Vegas in a back-to-back contest now. But after the wretched start, the Blackhawks bounced back and battled in the second period. Great to see. They weren't flat like they were in Game 1 when they were trailing, and they got the next goal, which was a big one. And who better to score it but 2019 third overall pick, Kirby Dock for his first career postseason goal. He knocks in a loose puck off a rebound from Robin Leonard's left pad. It all started from Patrick Kane entering the zone and finding Calvin DeHaan at the point. He gets a shot through, and there were bodies in front of Leonard, and Dock's there to scoop up the puck. And... 
all of a sudden, the Hawks have some life early in the second period. And they kept their wheels turning after that goal. They didn't let Vegas take the momentum back. And they wound up drawing a penalty. And finally, the power play cashes in, taking advantage on one of the few weaknesses the Golden Knights have. And that's their penalty kill. We've talked about it a lot this week. And here we saw Dominic Kubelik sneak a shot off the post and in past Leonard. He was screened a little bit by one of his defensemen, and good things happen when you put the pucks on net. The Hawks were entirely too resilient to shoot early on in this game. Alex Nylander passed up on an opportunity, so did Alex DeBrinkett. Dylan Strome probably had the worst of all of them. If you have a Twitter account, I'm sure you saw pictures of it. He basically had a one-on-one with Robin Leonard from the right circle in, and he chose to pass a drop, chose to drop the puck back to the defenseman. Not sure what he's doing. Uh, and, and then Jonathan Taze, he also had an opportunity to shoot the puck, and he tried to make uh, a better passing play than he should have. So all four of those guys, just off the top of my head, passing up scoring opportunities, trying to just be too fine and make the perfect passing play. And Eddie O was getting pretty upset on the broadcast last night. He was hollering shoot all the way from uh, Stanford in Connecticut. Uh, but the Hawks, they it's been clear so far in the series that good things happen when they put the puck on net. But here we are still talking about it seemingly every episode. But Kubelik did his job. He was able to tie up the score. Uh, but it didn't take long for Vegas to regain their lead as Mark Stone stuffed one home past Crawford just five minutes after Kubelik's goal. Uh, and it was yet another defensive breakdown here by the Blackhawks. This time, Ryan Carpenter was the culprit as the fourth line got caught out on the ice. Uh, Carpenter got caught puck watching a bit and didn't take his man while Olimata was up high in coverage. And it cost the Blackhawks big time. They had an opportunity to get the next goal and get their first lead of the series. And instead, Vegas takes a 3-2 lead on a goal that should not have gone in on just another breakdown in coverage by the Hawks. Fortunately, they were able to answer back with only 14 seconds left in the second period. And it came from a good coaching move here from Jeremy Colleton. I'll admit... I am a bit hard on the guy at times, but I have to give credit where credit is due. And he decided with less than a minute to play to put Alex DeBrinkett, Dylan Strom, and Patrick Kane together for a shift. They haven't had much ice time together in this postseason. And voila, that decision pays off as the trio pulls off a perfect passing play in transition. DeBrinkett floats the puck to the right circle for Kane and then... Showtime does what he does, baby. He pulls out the backhand saucer pass right to Strom's tape back door for a tap-in goal. Great to see Strom's name back on the score sheet. That's his first point since game one of the qualifying series versus Edmonton. I talked about how he needed to pick things up in game two, and he did come through with a goal, and it was only when Patrick Kane was on his line, so... We're going to need to see more from Dylan Strome when he's not being uh, piggybacked by Patrick Kane. And speaking of Patrick Kane, he picked up three assists in this second period, including two primary. He turned things on big time for the Hawks. I talked about how that was going to be a key for the Blackhawks, and while Kaner wasn't able to score a goal, he was able to rack up three points on the night, and he also had a shot sneak through Leonard's five-hole and go off the post somehow That didn't go in. I have no idea. Uh, And that just continues the bad luck the Hawks have had with the post in these playoffs. They've hit 11 now. 
Um, but going into the third period, the hope was that the Hawks would be able to carry some momentum over from Strom's goal, but that couldn't be any further from what happened as the Hawks, they put just six shots on Leonard in the period while Vegas peppered Crawford on the other end for 16 shots and they controlled the pace from start to finish. They were dominant. The only reason this game reached overtime is because Crawford stopped all 16 shots that he faced. A big bounce back effort from him. He did all that he could for the Hawks in this one and sadly their time simply ran out. You can only play with fire for so long and Just seven minutes into overtime, Riley Smith scores his third goal of the series uh, to give Vegas the 4-3 win and put them ahead 2-0 in this best-of-seven series. A devastating blow there for the Blackhawks, especially because a couple minutes earlier, Strom rang a shot off the bottom of the crossbar and out. Another one that just doesn't go the Hawks' way. They were so close to stealing this one here but they just couldn't get it done, and they really needed this one. It was another huge opportunity to take a game early in the series, a low-scoring goaltender battle, at least from the Hawks' perspective, and they had their chances to win this game, both in regulation and in overtime, and they failed to get the job done. So here we are, down 2 nothing after two games to the Vegas Golden Knights. Alright, coming up in just a minute, I am going to take a look at the box score from Game 2 between the Hawks and the Knights, and I'll also talk about what the Hawks need to do in their two games over the weekend to get this series back on track. But first, I need to talk about Built Bar, which is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Built Bar is back, and they now have 18 flavors, 6 of them are new. The 6 new flavors are Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Barcia, which I love that name there, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and Apple Almond Crisp, all of which, like the other 12 flavors, are all covered in 100% real chocolate and are soft, easy to chew, and great for keto diets. Not only are all the bars low calorie and low sugar, but they also are a great source for protein and fiber. So make sure to go to BuiltBar.com today and use the promo code LOCKDOWN in all caps to get $10 off your first Built Bar order. Built Bar is also giving away a free cooler with every purchase right now. So now is the time to pull the trigger with limited supplies lasting for the best protein bar on the market. One more time, be sure to check out BuiltBar.com for a delicious and healthy snack option and use the promo code LOCKDOWN in all caps for $10 off your first Built Bar order. This is the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for listening today. I am your host, Jack Bushman. Be sure to check out my personal Twitter page, at JackBushman2, and my Blackhawks Twitter page, at TalkinHockey, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. Also, be sure to subscribe and follow Locked On Blackhawks for free, wherever you may listen to your podcasts, and also on Twitter, to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. 
So I just finished recapping the Blackhawks 4-3 overtime loss in Game 2 to the Vegas Golden Knights. Taking a look at the box score now, and the Hawks still got outshot by 14, as the total was 39-25 Vegas. So, 25 shots on goal, that's still not nearly enough from the Blackhawks. They have to get closer to 30. I know that Vegas is a dominant team at even strength, but the Hawks are still clearly passing up on way too many chances to fire the puck on net. Make that easy play and just put the puck on net and good things tend to happen. It's a common trend we've seen from the Blackhawks in this postseason. For the second consecutive game, they won the faceoff battle as once again, Taze, Strom, and Kampf all were good. Taze was 15 for 25. Last game he was 13 for 20, so he's now 28 for 45 in the series. Very good stuff from the captain per usual. And then Strom won 7 of his 12 faceoffs, so he's been good in limited number of faceoffs so far. And Kampf was 67% winning 6 of 9. The only reason the Hawks won 51% of the faceoffs as a team is because Kirby Dock was just 1 for 9 or else... This could have been an onslaught by the Hawks at the faceoff dot, and we know that will happen from Kirby from time to time. He's only 19 still, and he's going to struggle with faceoffs, but learning now at a young age, I think that's one way to ensure he's going to become a stud once he's in his mid-20s. So I agree with Jeremy Colleton's decision. I like the uh, decision to give the rookie his chances, even if things aren't going his way. And then... Taking a look at the special teams battle, and the Hawks finally converted on the power play. I talked about how that was also going to be a key for the Hawks, and actually, all three of my keys occurred. I said that Keith and Crawford need to be two of the better Blackhawks players, and they were for the most part, except for that breakdown on, uh, that was no sex goal. Uh, I Then I said Kane was going to have to step up and be a factor for the Blackhawks. He racks up three points, could have been four had the Blackhawks actually gotten some puck luck for once. And then I also said the power play was going to have to score. So all three of those things happened, but unfortunately the Hawks came up just an overtime goal shy of coming up with a win and evening this series. But anyways, yeah, the power play, they finally cashed in. Dominic Kubelik with a goal. And then the penalty kill, they only had one penalty to kill off, but they did their job once again by uh, killing the power play for uh, Vegas. And if the Hawks, if they continue to win this special teams battle, they, they have to keep it up on the power play. But if they're able to do that, then I think they'll be right there in every game of this series going forward. Once again, uh, looking at the box score here, the Hawks were out hit 38-32. to in game one, that was 35 to 20. So we saw the Hawks with a bit more physical play. Connor Murphy and Drake Kajula each had five to lead the way. And then I also want to talk about the shot blocks. The Hawks had 20 as a team, and I thought the defensemen were doing a good job all game long of selling out their body, getting in the shooting lanes, and uh, just helping out their goaltender. Kelvin DeHaan was credited with six shot blocks, while Keith. Mata and Cuckoo each had four so good effort by the Hawks to help out Crawford and that's an area on defense I thought they did a really good job at in game two. Looking at the Hawks lines now and things were in fact jumbled up early on in the game as we saw Kubalik, Taze, and Saad they did remain together on the top line um, but the rest of the lineup was 
all over the place. We saw Kirby Doc and Patrick Kane remain together on the second line, but Drake Kajula jumped up and joined them. I don't mind that move, I said on yesterday's episode. I would like to see Kajula on the top line with Taze and Saad, but I'm also fine with giving him a look on that second line. Still a top six opportunity, and he's a guy that can really play anywhere in the lineup. He didn't he didn't get much looks in the stretch of this game when the Blackhawks were really only put their uh, better offensive forwards on the ice, but I thought he provided some good physical play in all three zones when he was playing, uh, and he had a couple of good back checks as well. And then the third line had Debrinket, Strom, and Highmore together. That line was able to score a goal when Kane was on the ice with them. No surprise there. Um, but Highmore's been terrific in these playoffs, so he got rewarded a bit in Game 2. Unfortunately, when he was on the ice with that third line, they were able to come up empty. And then that had Alex Nylander demoted to the fourth line. His play was a bit better early on in this game, but he, he still wasn't at his best. He also passed up on an opportunity to shoot the puck early in the contest, and that pretty much did it for him. He was on the bench for a lot of the stretch. Uh, He played just 9 minutes and 42 seconds in total. And I wonder if Jeremy Colleton is considering healthy scratching Nylander for Game 3 because he's been a ghost in these playoffs for the most part. It's just not working for number 92 for the Blackhawks right now. And that fourth line of Camp, Carpenter, and Nylander, they were minus 2 on the game, so they didn't do much on offense. They'd been good with Highmore on that line recently. Um, so I wonder if Colleton moves Highmore back there for game three, and then who knows what he does with Alex Nylander. That's, um, the million dollar question, I guess. Uh, we'll see if Dylan Secura gets an opportunity on Saturday night in game three against the Vegas Golden Knights. Taking a look at the Hawks defensive pairings now, and the possession numbers, they're never gonna look good when you get outshot by 14, but starting with Duncan Keith and Calvin DeHaan, who was uh, was paired together for the top pairing with Boquist out of the lineup for Game 2, they were on the ice for 11 shot attempts for to 25 against. So, not great in that department, but both guys were Warriors blocking shots and racking up minutes. DeHaan also added a primary assist on Kirby Doc's goal, so... They were on the ice for one goal for and one against. Not sure if they'll see more time together going forward. I expect Adam Boquist to be back in the lineup on Saturday as the Lucas Carlson experiment just didn't really work out. Now looking at Lucas Carlson and Connor Murphy. And they were on the ice for nine shot attempts for to 11 against. So a 45 Corsi percentage, the best of the Blackhawks three pairings on the night actually. Um, but they were on the ice for two goals against, including the game winner, so not entirely the best outing from those two. Keith and Murphy also saw a good amount of ice time together at even strength, nearly eight minutes together. Carlson only played nine minutes of ice time in this game, so when he wasn't out on the ice in the third period, Murphy saw uh, a lot of time with Keith, and those two together were pretty good, a 50 Corsi percentage, and they were on the ice for Dylan Strom's goal as well. And then rounding things out, Oli Mata and Slater Cuckoo, they had one of their uglier games being on the ice for eight shot attempts forward to 14 against in their 14 minutes together. And they were on the ice for Mark Stone's goal, so 
overall, just not great numbers here from the Blackhawks defense, even though I don't think they did a horrible job against Vegas. This is a good offensive team, so at some point, you're going to expect them to get their chances but when they did, I thought the Hawks' defense was there for the most part. The only knack I have is there were some blown coverages that led to goals in Game 2, but some of that is on the forwards, so three of the four goals were because of blown coverage and lack of communication with one another, and I think that really cost the Hawks and was the difference in Game 2. Alright, coming up in just a moment, I am going to talk about some keys for the Blackhawks this weekend with Game 3 coming on Saturday and Game 4 on Sunday, and I'll also give my prediction of the outcome for both of those contests. This is the Locked On Blackhawks podcast. As always, I am your host, Jack Bushman. You can reach me on Twitter at JackBushman2 or at Talkin' Hockey, or you can also email the Locked On Blackhawks email, which is LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com for any questions you have about the show, myself, or anything that has to do with the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. All right, so moving on now to some keys to victory for the Blackhawks. Before playing games three and four of the first round series against the Vegas Golden Knights this weekend, the first key for me is Corey Crawford needs to continue to play how he did in the final three periods of game two. That was some vintage Crawford going in full shutdown mode in net, making a couple of tremendous saves, one sprawling uh post-to-post, making a glove save on William Carlson, and I think if he can make 35 or more saves for the Hawks every game, I know that's kind of a lot to ask for, but uh, then they're going to have a chance. The reason the Hawks were even in Game 2 was because of Crawford. Besides Kane, I think he was their best player, and I think he's going to have to keep doing that for the Hawks to have a shot because you know Vegas is going to do their thing at even strength. They pretty much control the pace and control the tempo when they want to, but good goaltending can be the solution to any problem, and that was the case on Thursday, and the Hawks were in that game right until the end, so I think if Crawford plays like that going forward, they'll be right there in every game of this series. The second key for me is kind of two keys in one, but I'm going to put them together. First, the Hawks need to get that top line rolling. That trio of Kubelik, Taze, and Saad has probably the best chance to do some serious damage at even strength, and they've failed so far in this series. No goals from that line once again in Game 2. Kubelik did add a goal on the power play that was primarily assisted from Jonathan Taze, but he, Taze, and Saad, they have 10 goals in these playoffs for the Hawks, and so far in the series, they don't have any at 5-on-5. Get that line going, and the offense will be sure to follow. The second part of this key is Patrick Kane needs to keep pumping out points for the Blackhawks. He had three assists in Game 2, and that almost willed the Hawks to victory. Kaner did not have a point in either of the two previous playoff games, but he was back to his normal self on Thursday. And for the Blackhawks to have a chance to get back into the series, he's going to have to play, play at a high level over the weekend. My last key to victory for the Blackhawks in Games 3 and Game 4 of the series 
is to not shoot yourselves in the foot. This is a good Vegas Golden Knights team. You can't afford to beat yourself. And they've allowed Vegas to take a 2-0 lead in both games of the series. And both times have wound up with the Hawks on the wrong end of the outcome. So in Game 3, go and get that first goal. Go and get a lead for the first time in the series. And just play with some confidence. Have some fun. I think grabbing a lead would go a long way for this team in Game 3 on Saturday setting the tone right from the get-go. I also think the Blackhawks need to clean up their act in the defensive zone because both the forwards and the defensemen were not on the same page in Game 2 as three of the four goals Vegas scored came because of defensive breakdowns and then the fourth was one Crawford should have saved. So really, these are all fixable mistakes here for the Blackhawks, which is kind of a good problem to have. And if they can get everyone moving as one unit in that defensive zone, giving Crawford some help, I think the Blackhawks will have a better chance at stealing a game or maybe even two this weekend against the Golden Knights. Just as a reminder, the Blackhawks have back-to-back playoff games this weekend, something we haven't seen in the postseason in the past, but, you know, Rona. So the Hawks will have both playoff games, uh, or will have playoff games, sorry, on both Saturday and Sunday, with Game 3 starting on starting at 7 p.m. Central Time on Saturday, and then less than 24 hours, both teams will be right back in action with Game 4 on Saturday kicking off at 5.30 p.m. Central Time. All right, so I think that is going to wrap up Friday, August 14th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to subscribe and follow the Locked On Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app and you'll get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day and after the show ask your smart device to play the lockdown nhl podcast for all the latest news from all 16 teams in the first round of the stanley cup playoffs as always following a friday the next episode of lockdown blackhawks is mailbag monday so don't forget to hit me on twitter at my personal account at jack bushman 2 or my blackhawks account at talk and hockey for any questions at all regarding anything related to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Or you can also always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com or call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. Alright, so thank you again for listening to Friday's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Go Hawks! A couple huge games going on this weekend. It would be nice to win both of them and get back into the series so let's hope for the best i really hope that this isn't the last episode that i record with the blackhawks still playing postseason hockey so keep your fingers crossed for me until next time be sure to enjoy your weekend responsibly 